Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. For the winter series of the Puberty Prof Podcast, I'm focusing on how we teach more than factual information to young people about growing up. And that includes a variety of skills that school health teachers utilize in the classroom. So I'm basing the winter series on national health education standards. There's a total of eight of them in which seven are skill-based, which I love. That's how I started teaching at one point in my career. And I saw so much more life skill development in my students than previously of how I was teaching with content only. Today, we're going to focus on one specific standard, and that is the one that deals with analyzing influences. And actually how it reads in the CDC website, and I'll put a link to that in today's description, but how it reads for the standard is, students will analyze the influence of family, peers, culture, media, technology, and other factors on health behaviors. To help go over what this all means is somebody that I'm so glad I'm finally meeting. It's in a virtual manner, but I'm so glad I'm meeting her and her name is Judy Lobianco. I have known of her for many years. She's done a lot of progressive work in the field of health and physical education. So I'm honored to have you here today, Judy, and thank you. Thank you for being here. I am completely honored to be here and and so grateful for the work you are doing and the passion with which you do it. You're so nice. Thank you, Judy. Would you mind telling us some of your background? Because I know you have a lot of years and a lot of different types of experience. Sure, sure. Welcome, everybody. And hello. I'm so excited that you're listening to this podcast. If you haven't seen uh, previous versions of this podcast, so informational and so awesome, especially if you're a new teacher and you're tackling trying to unpack all of this stuff around puberty. But hi, my name is Judy Lovianco, and I'm the 2018-19 past president of your national organization, Shape America. I um, am currently a consultant uh, for HPE Solutions. It's the consulting business that I have here in New Jersey. And I spent most of my work as a health and PE teacher, and then a bulk of my career as a supervisor of health, physical education, and nursing services here in New Jersey. Thank you again for being here, Judy. And let's jump right into the standard because I have to ask you when I, I reached out to you through Facebook to see if you wanted to be on the podcast and you said, yes, you jumped right on board. And I was like, well, what standard? And you chose the standard to this analyzing of influences. Why? I, this is the one I'm most passionate about. When I have looked at the 30 years I've been in the field and how the world and society has changed and how um, children, even though 
I'm getting older, still say five and eight and 17 years old. I look at this and say, analyzing influences impacts every other skill related standard that there is. Um, and this is a timeless, timeless skill uh, that will never not be needed. I needed this skill when I was five. I needed it when I was eight. I needed it when I was 17. I need it now at age 53. Um, and it is, it is, uh, it's the deal breaker or deal maker around a person's health for me. So to describe in your own words, what does this mean, this analyzing influences? Yeah, um, so I think analyzing influences, analyzing influences with people, uh, whether that be friends or peers or adults or family or the media or technology, social media. Um, when you analyze your influences, it helps you dig deep in the ways that these people or things affect the way you think the way you behave, uh, and the way you feel. And, and that all leads to either something positive or something negative or something healthy or something unhealthy. So uh, it, it, there's a lot there to unpack and there's a lot for kids to think about. Uh, but what I love about this in particular is that as you grow and learn and develop, those influences change and some become more important and others become less important. So very dynamic and, and changing depending on the stage of life you're in. Well, since you brought up the stages of life, can we teach young people about the skill, including in the first grade? I know the Puberty Prof podcast more focuses on parents and caregivers of fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Can we teach those grades? Yes. Yes, I believe we can. And, and you know, it's funny when we talk about health education and I've taught health education in the schools and I've been a supervisor of health educators and I've observed in many classrooms. And yes, our content involves things like puberty and human reproduction and drugs and alcohol and nutrition, but that's not the meat of a lesson because those things, especially things like vaping, right? Vaping has, wasn't here 20 years ago and it won't be here right. 20 years from now. It'll, but the timelessness of analyzing your influences around vaping, right? Uh, the timelessness of analyzing your influences around a social media site, right? TikTok wasn't here 20 years ago. It'd be right. something else maybe five months from now. And it's really important for us to teach kids the timeless decision-making that they need to do. Uh, the, the actual, hey, wait, stop, think, reflect that they need to be doing. Because when it comes time for them to put a vape in their mouth, it's too late, right? When kids know the positive thing to do, when they know how to do those things and they feel confident, they'll act in a positive, healthy way. You mm -hmm. know, it's too late by the time they do the thing, right? Because nothing bad happens to a child unless it happens to them in the moment, right? We know that right. teenagers sometimes feel invincible uh, because they don't think anything's going to happen to them and something, until something bad does, and hopefully it never will. But... Uh, this is why I embrace this idea of analyzing your influences and making it a habit of mind, not just something that you do in a unit and then pass off. You know, if I had my way, uh, Dr. Reichel, I would say, instead of having units in nutrition, a unit on puberty, a unit on drugs and alcohol, I want the unit to be analyzing influences. I want the unit to be healthy decision-making. I want the unit to be self-advocacy, you know, and plugging in the content from there that helps kids regularly practice and master these skills. I totally agree with you in which that's what I was doing when I left the K through 12 world. My first 
my first unit, uh, well, after going over what this class would be in wellness and of course creating norms or expectations with the students, we then focused on communication skills in which information was infused, content information was infused. And it, when the students explored what effective communication was, they were like, oh, okay, so I wanna know about how to create a healthy friendship that requires healthy communication skills. And there were a lot of ahas. Now, now looking at analyzing influences, do you have any, um, any examples of how a, a parent, other caregiver, educator can even talk to a fourth or fifth grader that deals with something with puberty or another topic related to sex education, like healthy relationships? Yeah, yeah, I think the first and foremost thing that parents can do is learn their own skills around being an askable and trusted adult, right? Uh, long gone are the days in the 1970s when I grew up where you, your menstrual cycle came and no one helped you. You got no information on puberty. There yeah. was none. Mm -hmm. And parents were too afraid to teach it and they wanted to keep it a secret. And, and that's dangerous, right? It still exists today in some ways, right? That uh, health educators are intervening and they're helping uh, to give kids information, I think the first and foremost thing is that parents need to talk with their children, make that a normal thing, to have a conversation about their health, and not just ask them what's happening at school today, but ask them what's happening in their health classes, and, and saying to them, there's nothing you can't ask me, uh, helping them to understand that there's nothing to be ashamed of about their body or their health, uh, and then when you talk about the analyzing influences piece, actually breaking down the idea of how does it make you feel um, does it make you change your behavior and what do you think of it, right? So actually asking your kid, you know, why is it that you want to go on TikTok so much? How do you, uh, what does it bring to your life that's positive, right? Um, how does it make you feel when you get a like on, you know, your social media account and um, checking in with kids regularly? And, and, you know, our parents always used to say when we were teenagers, I don't like that person in your life. They're a bad influence. Well, that doesn't really help me, right? You mm -hmm. need to help me find a way that that's a bad influence, right? How do I perceive it as a bad influence? And, and th this is really important around the grade level of four, five, and six, and here's why. What happens to the body in puberty, as you have most beautifully and passionately uh, told our audiences, there is a change going on that is more profound in this stage of growth than any other time in the life cycle. And one of the most profound pieces is that kids are going from this reliance on their family and breaking away in the social emotional brain and paying closer attention to things like their friends and their media influences and their independence. And all of a sudden they, believe, they begin to break away even sometimes from their family's belief or ethics and develop their own at this stage. And they find their independence. And I couldn't think of a more important time for parents to intervene around the analysis of the media, of, of social media, of uh, friendships and peers, right? Uh, and why it's important to help kids to see that when they unpack whether this is healthy or unhealthy for them, to help them gain confidence and self-esteem so that they can look in the mirror and say, I'm awesome and there shouldn't be anything in my life that makes me feel bad about myself, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the core of a lot of these skill-based health pieces, right? To look in the mirror as a fourth, mm -hmm. fifth and sixth grade student and say, 
I'm awesome. I'm going to take on the day. Nothing's going to bring me down. I am going to exude kindness, um, you know, and, and surround myself with positivity, right? Because that's what we all deserve. We all want, right? Um, so, so yeah, I think it's important for parents to, to be honest with their kids, to be open with their kids, to not be afraid of having these conversations, because I think oftentimes adults are afraid to take off their adult lenses, particularly when kids are in puberty, right? Because let's face it, at the end of the day, when puberty hits, kids can have babies, right? Kids can have babies. They're starting to have sexual feelings. There's this, this, the cover pops off, man. And we figure out, oh my goodness, we're all sexual beings. Well, we were born that way. <laughs> so, um, and now all of this stuff comes rushing to the surface uh, and we have to make the conversation a conversation that feels normal. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having these conversations with their children. And, and the research shows that, and it's medically accurate to make sure that we can use terms like penis and vagina and be self-assured that it doesn't mean that a kid's going to go run and have sex, right? Mm -hmm. For them, and the smaller they are, you know, little ones, they see those as vocabulary words. They don't see them as sex organs. So it's really yeah. important that, that we take off the adult lenses and say, okay, if I know I can help my child have more positive peer interactions and help them to understand what it is they're seeing in this commercial or in this advertisement or um, on TikTok, uh, maybe I'm doing a good thing here. Uh, it, one of the things that's been bothering me, and then I'll stop blabbling. A couple of weeks ago, there was this campaign from TikTok, and it's, I learned it on TikTok. I'm really worried about that campaign for young people, right? Um, because of the reasons we talk about around finding valid and reliable information. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we talk about analyzing the influences in their life, social media is an influence, and this is how I think analyzing influences connects to something like finding valid and reliable information, having interpersonal communication, advocating for yourself, making healthy decisions. Um, and, and it's really significant, right? And, you know, you use the common example. Well, when we're talking about analyzing influences, it's when one of your friends offers you drugs, right? Here, have, have, go vape, come vape with me, right? Uh, there's so much going on right there, right? Not the least of which is, oh my goodness, if I don't vape, I'm going to lose my friend. Right. Right. And, and there's so much more going on for the middle schooler than there is for me, right? I have the adult skill of being able to say, if you leave me as a friend because I won't vape with you, then it's your loss, right? Mm -hmm. Young people are, are very invested in their peer relationships and it's really important to help them around being be able to communicate those needs. So, so yeah, all of that, I, th I think it's all significant. I find it interesting where you started with that answering of the question of what we can teach young people about analyzing influences. You did jump right away to parents and other caregivers as being a positive influence because that is what we as adults, and, and I'm fully supportive of parents and other caregivers, whoever's raising the child, they can teach their child all this information and skills about uh, puberty and, and communication skills and analyzing influences. And why I created this podcast, why I created, why I wrote the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, why I created the Talk Puberty app, is for people, for caregivers, parents to be empowered or to be equipped 
to be able to talk with their child and say, hey, check this out. I got this woman's book. Let's look at it. You can make fun of it. I don't care. You can look at the app and look at a question and go, okay, so what do you think about this? How do you define a friend? Because that starts the conversation. Because you as a parent, as a caregiver, as a teacher, you're a major influencer for your children. And what we know in the research is that when kids are asked, who do you want to talk about these topics to you? Uh, it's the parents. Number one, parents are number one. So it's, a, it's an incredibly important role. From there, you jump to the, the whole thing about the, the uh, social media. And I was expecting you to go to friends because I know that, and you said, you said it um, within a couple of minutes of, well, friends are important because that social aspect, we don't always go to our family as much friends become more and more important and that's developmentally appropriate. But I totally forgot, duh, yeah, there is the social influence with TikTok and, and, and all the other, the Instagram, whatever younger people are going to in which when things are posted, it's not always accurate. And once more, I think what I'm most concerned about is that kids are equating their self-esteem with the number of likes and friends they have. And, and I don't know how to reverse that, right? I, right? It's disturbing to me. And it's disturbing to me that although I do want parents and caregivers to be the first health educators for their children, I'm also not naive to understand that sometimes there's abusers in the house. Yes. There are mm -hmm. smokers in the house. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's things going on in the house that kids are getting messaging about that is developing the way they think and feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I totally get it. And I, one of the reasons why I think where you're targeting grades, let's say four through seven, uh, is such an important stage uh, when we teach health education. I, I, I love health educators from K through 12, and I think it's great everything we're doing. But I think if I'm going to pinpoint one area of a child's development, um, I'm all in around the area of pre, during, and post-puberty, uh, because that is the profound stage of growth where kids are making up their minds about a great many things. Yeah. Um, and being able to analyze their influences, for example, is a skill they're going to need moreover than anything else, right? I mean, we can teach yeah. the kids the healthy decision-making model and help them, help them practice that. But I think what's really important, the thing that's in their face every second of the day is the need to analyze their influences. Yeah. Um, so I think that's profound. Something else you raised that I, I, was, um, I needed to raise up with parents when I interviewed them for some research, you, you brought up the concept of body image. And when I was interviewing parents about what they currently talk to the young person about and it was parents with a fourth fifth or sixth grade child when they saw that one of the things we can talk to young people about is their body image and about how like during puberty we look at our bodies I remember feeling like I was really really a big kid and I wasn't when I look back at pictures it was just that I had the extra tissue around me because that's part of puberty and uh, parents to understand and other caregivers and teachers to understand that how we speak about our bodies influences our kids. Because if you're a fifth grade teacher and you're saying, oh, I need to lose five pounds. Oh, I need another sal salad. You're imposing 
a negative influence on kids that you are your body and you're so much more than your body. And that's the other piece, right? Whether or not after the kid analyzes the influence, deciding whether it's positive or negative in their life. So important. You can't just stop at, wow, this friend is really mean to me. Maybe I should stop being friends with them. (laughs) Well, but they're my only friend. Right. Uh, and these are major decisions that the yeah. the kid is making, right? These are yeah. as life-threatening to them as anything else. And they're very serious to them. Um, and, you know, I reject the notion that post-pandemic or anything, uh, that our kids are not as resilient as we think. I, I think our kids are resilient. I think that, I believe that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we've got a group of young people that are, you know, you know, in despair every second of the day. I don't. Um I know that's not to discount that some kids may be in distress. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, I think that this work, the work you're doing and the work around skill-based health is literally a matter of life and death for them. It truly is. And where they're not hearing anything from anyone about these topics, they've got to go find it on their own. And chances are they're going to find it in a place that is not going to give them the right information. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's big time. It's big time. So let's say a young person is listening in, Judy, and they're like, well, what do I do? Like, how do I analyze this influence? What advice do you have for them? So hi, young person. If there's a young person <laughs> listening in, I think you're awesome every single day. We all love and care for you. And that's why we're out here doing what we do. It's the first thing I want to say. Always kindness and affirmation. Uh, and I would say that you've got to take the time in um, in the work you're doing around analyzing influences, that when you see and hear uh, things uh, in your friendships and on TV or on social media, uh, how does it make you feel, right? And is the feeling a good feeling? And um, how does it make you think about yourself? And how does it make you behave in different ways that you wouldn't behave before? Uh, and knowing that you are the most important person to you and that you need to take good care of yourself because you've got that first responsibility to do that, you've got to question whether or not these are the things that are good for you, right? Now, it's not just about going through the supermarket and seeing the lucky charms and loving the jingle, you know, they're magically delicious, right? You say to yourself, (laughs) well, you know, maybe I have a healthier choice that I could make, but for right now, I want the lucky charms, right? If we don't make a daily habit out of it, then okay. Um, And the same is true in our friendships and our relationships uh, and the content that you are consuming young people on social media. Um, Love yourself enough to analyze the influences in your life and uh, be sure to question yourself around how it makes you think, how it makes you act and how it makes you feel. And if those are good things and you feel like you're on a positive track around the particular influences that you're looking to analyze, then I think you're going to be okay. And above all, have a trusted, askable adult. Yeah. And you keep on reminding me of things, Judy, this is fantastic. You remind me of we, in the research, it notes that we don't have to have like hundreds of friends. You need a few really true friends. That's what makes you healthier, not thousands of people on your TikTok account. Uh, I know we all like like to be connected, yet it's a few positive friends that help us the most. 
And that's the same in the entire life cycle. You know, I once heard someone say, some friends are with us for a season, some are with us for a reason, and some are with us for a lifetime. And that's Mm. all okay. That's all okay. okay. Wow. Well, if somebody wants to contact you, Judy, how can they do that? How can they do that? I have uh, an email address which is my consulting business. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's HPE Solutions 2019 at gmail.com. And you can always catch me on Twitter. And my handle is JLobianc without the O. It's J-L-O-B-I-A-N-C. Very good. And I'll make sure that I have that information in this episode's description. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our audience before we end for today, Judy? Sure, sure. I I want you to know everyone that when young people are asked what they're most curious about when they are at puberty age, they always wanna know what is happening to me? What is happening to my body? Both boys and girls will rush to things like amaze.org and millions to ask this. They wanna know things like, what does it mean masturbation and is pornography real sex? These are very serious, complicated Mm -hmm. and impactful pieces of information that young people are looking for. This podcast is a life-changing, life-saving venue for both teachers and parents and kids to be able to be unafraid, to have a forum to go to, to talk about these very sensitive topics. Um, These are not taboo topics. These are topics about the way we live our lives and the way we take care of our health and should be as nonchalant to us as talking about a cup of coffee right? There's nothing to fear. And if we teach young people uh, to keep it quiet and keep it silent and don't say certain words, they're going to even be more curious about what's happening. So I invite you to take Dr. Reichel's lead and be able to talk to your kids, talk in your health classes as educators, and encourage kids to talk to each other and to you about what's happening to them, because it's fundamental to our biology and fundamental to our life through the entire lifespan. So such gratefulness I have for you, uh, Lori, in the work that you're doing. It's it's really critical work. It's based in medically accurate research-based stuff. And uh, it, I'm just so glad that you are on this planet, Puberty Professor, because it's really great stuff you're doing. Thank you. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> it's... No, I love the discourse we're having here because it's, I just, everything that you've done in the field and you're so supportive of people doing what's best for young people. Um, and I, I have to do um, a side note for the people that are listening in. If one of your influences, if you're a parent, if one of your influences that stops you from talking to your kids or other parents, I'm requesting you let that go because that's one of the barriers we find for people not talking to their own kids. Nothing against the other parents, they're your kids and we want your kids equipped. We want them to be happy and healthy. So- And and you know, if I can just tag on, if no one's talking to kids, they have 365, 24 seven access to information, right? Uh, That's another podcast, right? But if Mm -hmm. if they're curious and no one is saying anything, um, then I'm just concerned, right, that the, anal- the analyzing of influences they're going to do are going to be very poor and very negative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, we, they rely on us as the adults. And guess what? We were all kids once. 
I mean, I don't think we should forget that as well. I mean, puberty was not fun. If you think about going all the way back there, and it was not the greatest moment in my life. I'm just going to put it out there, uh, everybody, right? Uh, so, so yes, take off your adult lenses, but you know, take them off and then have empathy about the stage of growth that kids are in. Uh, and remember that we were there once too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Judy. Would you like to say goodbye to our audience? Yes, thank you all so much for having me. I, I really, this was a pleasure. Uh, thank you all for taking an interest in these podcasts and in puberty and in children. Uh, I think the more adults that rally around our young people, the more wonderful our society and more healthy our society is going to be. So I just, I'm glad to have been just a small part of that today. Thank you again. And for our listeners, please consider talking to young people about how to analyze influences, which includes noting what the influences are, those influences that impact your behavior, and noting whether or not it's healthy, you know, to be cognizant of that. So if you need more information, if you would like more information, I'll have the link for the standards in today's description. I'm also going to have Judy's information because I want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with this incredible person. So I thank all of you for listening in. And if you have any questions for me, please contact me at pubertyprof.com. I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.